snorers are regarded as a long-standing joke, unless you're trying to sleep next to one. If you do snore, you could have a serious condition called obstructive sleep apnea, or OSA. An estimated quarter of a million New Zealanders have it and ignore it. But sleep apnea can be a killer, and specialists say it may be New Zealand's biggest undiagnosed public health problem. That's the sound of a sleep apnea sufferer trying to stay alive. The airway passage has closed off and the brain has sent an instruction to the sleeper to wake up and breathe before they die. On holidays we've um, had people move out of uh, motel rooms beside us but when she stopped snoring she also stopped breathing and that woke me interest, uh, instantly and I had to um, give her a good hard push to get her breathing again and um, she would start again with a <coughs> which is sort of right down in the throat into the lungs. That's not a nice noise to hear. Graham French used to get frightened when his wife Trish had apnea attacks and neither had much of a decent night's sleep most of their married lives until Trish was diagnosed with the condition 11 years ago. Sleep apnea doesn't just stop a good night's sleep for everyone in the house. It turns sufferers into daytime zombies who are liable to nod off at the wheel of a car, doze off at work or build up blood pressure en route to a heart condition. Well, it's simply the tissues at the back of the throat collapsing down at night. When the, it vibrates, it creates snoring. And when the collapse is sufficient to cut off breath for a period of time, the airway is completely collapsed. And it's the effort of reopening the airway which disturbs sleep, but the patient's completely unaware of that. Dr Andrew Veal is a respiratory and sleep disorder specialist who operates a sleep clinic in Epsom in Auckland. He's seen and treated hundreds of people with apnea, ranging from mild to severe cases. For many snorers, it's often the same story. They and their family put up with it for years until they finally realise it's worse than just an awful racket. The kids used to moan and groan about your story, particularly at night. Come home and sit down in front of a television set for minutes, snoring away. You know, Dad, shut up! <laughs> John Wakelin was a loud snorer for 30 years. He put up with it, and so did his wife and three children, until his mid-40s, when he was finally diagnosed. Like others I talked to for this program, he had no idea his snoring was signalling a much bigger problem, a potentially life-threatening one. It's clearly associated with hypertension, with heart disease, increased risk of stroke, and uh, the most important impact though is the loss of quality of life from feeling tired all the time. Dr Veal and other health professionals are now calling for apnea to be taken as seriously as conditions like asthma or diabetes. New Zealand research mirrors overseas experience. 4% of men and 2% of women are likely to have sleep apnea. Christchurch GP and sleep specialist Alex Bartle, who has sleep clinics in Christchurch and Auckland, rates the condition among the top four or five health issues. I believe that the studies that are coming out of the states at the moment, they're big longitudinal studies uh, that have been going now for 14 or 15 years, uh, confirm that this is a major health issue. And if we could um, 
address this issue, a lot of downstream effects like the heart attacks and strokes and all the various other things would be, and particularly hypertension, which is very expensive often to treat, would be um, considerably less. Six died after driver fell asleep. Sleepy driver pleads guilty to causing road deaths. Narcolepsy leads to fatal crash. Man trapped in car after four... These are headlines from New Zealand newspapers. The Ministry of Transport says in 2005, fatigue was a factor in 40 fatal crashes and 160 serious injury crashes on the road, but says the figures could be underreported. The Ministry estimates the social cost of crashes involving fatigue at $280 million a year. There are no accurate figures for sleep apnea being the cause of accidents because it's not a question normally asked in crash investigations. But doctors interviewed for this program are in no doubt many people are dozing off because of sleep apnea. And every sufferer I spoke with has a scary driving story. And I was driving back to my office from there in the, it was mid-morning. A 20-minute drive and I fell asleep at the wheel three times and uh, I was very lucky that I never had an accident. Cars peeped at me and it sort of woke me up and I kept thinking, you know, what's wrong with me? Ross Kirkbride is a former Auckland banker, now an investment advisor. His driving experience is typical of those with sleep apnea. So is this from Annette Westrup, who used to commute daily down the motorway into Wellington. I had been off the motorway and, and ran up a side of the footpath which actually woke me up otherwise I had a lamppost in front of me which I would have hit. It gave me extreme shock. <laughs> it scared me because I'd been dri driving quite a bit like that coming along the motorway and having the windows open and the music going and my hands outside the windows trying to keep myself awake along the motorway in Wellington. People with sleep apnea talk of frequently nodding off at traffic lights and being woken up by the toots of drivers behind them. Experts describe these momentary blackouts as micro-sleeps. They may last just a second or two, but that's enough time to kill someone on the road. Let's take a three-second micro-sleep. At 100k on the open road, uh, you actually travel 83 metres. So, in my view, this is what's causing most of the head-on crashes that are occurring. Martin Jenkins is a campaigner against sleepy driving. His campaign began after his father was killed in a road smash while he was returning to Wellington from Masterton four years ago. He fell asleep at the wheel. Son Martin now has a website called A Killer where he pushes for more education about driver fatigue and more action and funding to deal with it. Mr Jenkins believes fatigue is the cause of up to one in five crashes and even more on some black spot roads such as one near Wellington. We continually get uh, crashes on fatigue black spots like Centennial Highway. Six out of seven deaths prior to a year and a half ago were uh, identified as drive fatigue and uh, if you visit my website you'll see more crashes uh, following that. Uh, people are falling asleep at the wheel on Centennial Highway and nothing's been done about it. While sleep apnea is a killer on the roads, sleep experts say it also causes serious accidents at work although the Department of Labour has no figures on fatigue as a cause of workplace accidents but there's plenty of anecdotal evidence. I'd be in meetings uh, and, and just nod off and I'd, I'd obviously um, stop breathing and just snort and as the adrenaline kicks in 
and wakes me up and everybody would be in the room would be looking at me you know, and I think well what are they look at, looking at me for? You, ha- you, realize, you haven't realised you'd done it? No I hadn't even realised I'd fallen asleep. Ross Kirkbride is one of the many people I interviewed who often felt very tired at work. One organisation which certainly doesn't want its employees dozing on the job is the military. I've come to the Air Force base at Woodburn near Blenheim to talk with base psychologist Flight Lieutenant Alan Baker pilot himself who has his own experiences with sleep apnea. Uh, I was faring a Harvard back from Ahakia down to Wigram and um, uh, late one afternoon with the sun coming in um, with the propeller turning over at 1600 RPM and being sleep deprived um, uh, yeah I nodded off um, and um, gave myself a dreadful fright. Flight Lieutenant Baker is well over his flight fright of many years ago. Now he's a psychologist at Base Woodburn, and he also happens to have sleep apnea. The Air Force takes fatigue seriously, and Alan Baker runs courses on the problem. Uh, Normally, uh, in in my job here, it'll be picked up in the context of uh, someone whose uh, performance is dropping off at work, and and it'll be among the things which I'll look at in exploring uh, why... um, why they have the performance degradation. From there, uh, I'll work with medical um, and uh, refer people on as necessary to one of the sleep clinics. But it, but it, it is a significant part of our, um, our practice now. Dozing off while flying an aircraft or on a military manoeuvre can, of course, have dire consequences. Andre Bothmer worked as an aircraft engineer with the South African Air Force before moving to New Zealand. Mr Bothmer says he sometimes fell asleep on the job. In the Air Force, well, it was sensitive work. A lot of it would be uh, gun cradles, um, a lot of electronic work. And you can't afford to make a mistake on that. Uh, Aircraft goes down for some reason. They're not going to think of, you know, this chap's got sleep apnea. Like we said, it's pretty very much unheard of in South Africa at the time. Mr Bothmer now works for Air New Zealand. It's one company which has programs on sleep disorders for its air crew and pilots who have to undergo six or 12 monthly medical inspections which ask about fatigue. Other companies such as railway and ship operators Toll New Zealand do a specific apnea check with their train drivers. This follows reports last year by the Transport Accident Commission which found that train drivers in three accidents between 2002 and 2006 had dozed off at the controls. One of them was killed in a derailment. Now the alertness of train drivers is randomly checked. A light or sound goes off in their locomotive cab and their reaction speed to the signal tells whether they're properly alert or not. Any worker is a potential apnea sufferer, but is there a typical profile? Dr Alistair Neal is a senior lecturer at the Wellington School of Medicine and a specialist in sleep disorder. I think if uh, snoring occurs every night, uh, if it's interrupted by frequent apnea and if the sufferer uh, wakes feeling tired and is sleepy during the day, then those are are grounds for um, attending to have a discussion with their GP. If you snore, he says, you have the potential to have apnea. If you're overweight, your chances are markedly increased. Dr Neal says about half of apnea sufferers are overweight, and he says that trend is especially alarming in children. We are seeing larger numbers of children who are presenting uh, because of obesity-related sleep apnea as well, and this is a particular concern uh, because they're developing a number of other complications such as early diabetes, high blood pressure, um, 
they're coming into hospital with respiratory failure and heart conditions in their teenage years, which is something that was really unheard of um, 20 years ago. Dr Neil says while obesity is the number one cause of apnea, the condition is also found in people who have a smaller lower jaw, which is associated with the tongue being placed back in the airway and therefore more likely to block it. He says Māori and Polynesians are two or three times more likely than other ethnic groups to have sleep apnea. The reason is probably due to traditional risk factors, um, such as weight gain and neck girth um, would be the main ones. There's also evidence that they're presenting uh, with more severe disease, uh, coming in to, to our services with more significant sleep apnea, greater amounts of dips in their oxygen levels and uh, often in respiratory failure. So I think uh, the research that we and others have done suggests that not only do they have a more prevalent problem, but that they're accessing services later. Treatment of children with apnea is critical, according to sleep specialist Dr Alex Bartle, who says one in every 50 children will have obstructive sleep apnea and may display similar traits to children with attention deficit disorder. Dr Bartle says failure to treat children from the age of two who snore will lead to bigger problems as they grow older. For example, he says a United States study has found that children with sleep apnea will be in the bottom 25% of school performers. Dr Bartle says many parents will hear their children snoring but not know what to do about it. They're often, uh, as I say, tired during the day. They snore loudly. They're very uh, restless in their sleep, so they have very broken sleep. They sweat a lot. They sleep in all sorts of different positions. And during the day, they have uh, symptoms of uh, just not being able to concentrate, of often being behaviourally a little bit difficult. Specialists, including Alistair Neal, say women are much less likely than men to snore when they're younger, but the numbers even up after menopause. The reasons for this probably relate to a, uh, differences in hormonal uh, effects on the upper airway muscle tone. The exact reason is not clearly established, but it's, it's likely to be due to hormonal changes after the menopause, the rates of sleep apnea seem to be roughly equal in men and, men and women. People who suspect a sleep apnea problem could start with doing a test. The Epworth Sleepiness Scale, a common screening tool worldwide. It asks whether you're likely to doze off in different situations, watching TV or sitting quietly after lunch, for example, or sleeping during a meeting or in a car stop for a few moments. You may even find yourself dropping off at the dentist, like Andre Bothma. I'd go to the doctors or to the dentist, and while you're waiting in, in, in line to see the dentist, you'd fall asleep. And snore. And snore. And you've got, you've got about ten other people sitting there, and all of a sudden the brain says, breathe, because you stop breathing. And when, when you wake up, it's with this gasping for breath, and the arms will go all over the show. And then you see the looks that people give you. What's wrong with this guy? Obstructive sleep apnea can't be cured, but it can be successfully treated. For thousands of New Zealanders, treatment means going to bed with a mask on their face. So a standard and very commonly used mask would be what you'd call a nasal mask. And that's a mask that just sits over the nose and would seal the pressure.
Jonathan Ellis is a spokesman for Fisher & Paykel Healthcare, which makes continuous positive airways pressure machines, or CPAPs, in New Zealand. And if you need any convincing about the size of the sleep apnea problem, just come out here to the company's East Tamaki headquarters in Auckland. It's a massive 50,000 square metre CPAP factory, which makes thousands of these machines and turns over about $100 million a year from them, the vast majority in exports. That, that first night that I had it on all night, I woke up in the morning and I just couldn't believe it. I just, well, I felt like I'd been asleep for a week. You know, I just felt that bright and that good. Truck driver Grant Pickering swears by his CPAP machine and he takes it everywhere with him. Like others who try sleeping with a mask, either over the nose, the mouth or both, it took him a night or two to get used to. Another convert to the CPAP machine is Katrina Ersig, who believes she's had apnea since she was a small child. Her mother used to threaten to put a peg over her nose to stop her snoring and said she was lethargic. But life is different now for this Nelson social worker. I mean, I can go all day doing things now. I have a better quality of life, yeah. So it's a real difference you feel a huge when you wake up in the morning? A huge difference. I can face the day first thing in the morning. Doctors say these machines, which blow a steady stream of warmed air down the throat to keep the airway open, are the number one treatment for people with apnea. They also stop the snoring, which is a godsend to spouses. CPAPs are credited with restoring previously strained relationships, and people like Suzette Bothma says who cares if your partner has a mask on in bed? It has never bothered me. Um, my concern was that as long as it works for him, I'm happy. Looks don't count. I, I, I want a husband. I want a healthy husband, and I want to grow old with a husband. <laughs> so, um, yeah, looks never concerned me, no. Suzette Bothma says Andre has transformed from the grumpy, moody man he was before treatment. Graham French is another who says the CPAP mask mightn't be attractive, but it makes a big difference to his relationship with wife Trish. The machine isn't the best of the thing for the person not wearing it. Um, there's a lot of things that happen in a, a bedroom that the machine destroys. Um, <laughs> but also the machine gets the two of you much closer together because you get a good night's sleep. Wearing a face mask is not for everyone. In fact, some people just can't adjust to one. For these people, a dental solution may be the answer. And I've come to the surgery of Greg Reynolds, an Auckland dentist who has a special interest in treating sleep apnea. The tongue stabilising device here, which um, can, can be brought over the counter, was developed by a, a, a Dunedin orthodontist, Chris Robertson. And uh, these are sold worldwide now, and they basically fit over the tongue. And you can see how it pulls the, pulls the tongue forward. Um, the alternative is a mandibular repositioning splint, which, generally speaking, are an acrylic um, mouthguard type retainer that fits over the, both the upper and the lower teeth and holds the, holds the lower jaw forward. And we're able to adjust that to patient sort of comfort and also to effect. The idea of that device, like the other, is to stop the tongue blocking the airway. Dr Reynolds has a word of caution for amateur fitted mouse splints 
It can be bought over the counter or from online sites. They are derived um, and developed from orthodontic appliances with shift teeth. Um, shift teeth? Yes, the, the, there can be some minor tooth movement with these and there can also be problems with the jaw joints. So I believe that they should only be fitted by somebody who is able to take the responsibility for looking after the patient and making sure that the, that the appliance um, is doing its, doing its job and not causing any un, untoward effects. Because of the huge numbers of sleep apnea sufferers, the condition is big business. And a quick search on the net shows plenty of people offering all manner of remedies. Dr Alex Bartle was part of a Consumer Institute panel which tested a range of sleep treatment devices and found many were next to useless. Nasal strips, yes, they open up the front of the nose, they make the breathing easier, but they don't alter what happens at the back of the throat. Sprays, for example, are usually an, have a, a bit of an oily base to them, and that makes the um, soft palate, which is one of the things that vibrates at the back of the throat, makes it less likely to vibrate and stick at the back of the tongue. So initially, when you first spray it, it, it may reduce the snoring to a degree, but as the night progresses, then it's, it's likely to wear off anyway. Dr Bartle says by all means try them out and they certainly are a lot cheaper than a medical approach but don't expect much. Good and it's great and just relax and just drop down and open as wide as you can there. Just say ah for me. Ah. So you haven't got Surgery is the other major treatment for snoring and sleep apnea and I've come to the rooms of Mike Roberts, an ear, nose and throat specialist in Nelson. He demonstrates how you can tell whether people are mouth or nose snorers. Well, it's mainly mouth. I mean, the nose makes up 20 to 30 percent of it overall. And uh, if we're looking at uh, tones, you, you tend to think that the snorer everyone thinks is a nose, but that's mainly palatal snoring, whereas tongue-based snoring is a sort of pitch. So it's actually a slightly higher pitched uh, um, uh, snoring uh, and that's one of the things you can get assessments in the US currently uh, delineating levels of snoring on the tone of the, of the snoring. Mike Roberts says there are a variety of surgical choices which can help remove or reduce airway blockages. I think most of us would, would say that you know, um, we've got a, a lot of these procedures have about a two-thirds chance of working. So it's not going to cure everyone, but they're going to work uh, in others. And they're going to be, if you've got a distinct abnormality, then they're certainly going to be much better uh, at, at success rate. So I think you can offer those to patients. And, and once again, I think medicine these days is giving patients the choice and the options out there. Surgery can be expensive, and so can a night in a sleep clinic. With professional consultation and diagnosis, an overnight stay may cost up to $1,500, although sufferers say the price is well worth paying. On the other hand, if through your GP you are referred to a DHB sleep clinic, you may pay nothing. But there's the rub. DHBs around the country allocated only $6.5 million in 2005 for sleep apnea treatments. In some parts of the country, people are waiting for at least six months. Dr Alistair Neal says the Auckland and Waikato clinics are the hardest hit, operating at only a third of their capacity because of a lack of funding. They haven't got the funding um, to, 
to keep it going. Um, these services are provided on a volume-based funding, so there's only a certain number of studies that are allowed to be performed per year, and that allows the, the, um, the sleep laboratory to be open only two to three nights per week. So how many people would this be affecting? How many people would be on a backlog then because there's no funding to have them looked at? Uh, I think that the waiting lists are long. Um, because of the waiting list policy, they are culled every six months uh, so that currently you'd probably find the waiting list is a little over six months. But that's because many people have been taken off the waiting list and referred back to the general practitioners. The problem could get a lot worse if more GPs start referring more of the potential quarter of a million undiagnosed people. But Dr Alex Bartle says some GPs need more education to recognise the signs. You go to your GP and, ask, and tell them that you're feeling very tired during the day. You'll have uh, lots of blood tests, iron tests and thyroid and uh, testing all sorts of things. But rarely are people asked if they snore. Um, I think it's thought to be a little bit of an embarrassing question and perhaps it's not even thought about uh, for a lot of times. But if you're snoring and are tired during the day, it's a very strong likelihood that you have sleep apnea. Dr Bartle and others say the big problems with sleep apnea are the lack of recognition of it as a major health problem and not enough money to deal with it. The Sleep Apnea Association of New Zealand says as the rate of diagnosis of sleep apnea inevitably increases, so will the pressure on health services. The group's general manager, Jeremy Sutton-Pratt, says a political solution is the only answer. What we need to do is form a working group, a standing committee of all the interested parties, the diabetes, the asthma, the obesity the medical professionals, the health professionals and ourselves so that all these can work together in order to put pressure to get this drastic lack of funding addressed. The Ministry of Health's Chief Clinical Advisor, Dr Sandy Dawson, says DHBs have to make a call on how to spend their funding and where obstructive sleep apnea fits into that. He says OSA was not included as a priority in the latest New Zealand Health Strategy. Dr Alistair Neal says the condition hardly registers on health priority lists. It's not regarded as um, one of the uh, top ten health priorities, although interestingly um, obesity, cardiovascular disease and diabetes are, and we're arguing that obstructive sleep apnea is clearly uh, an, has an important role in all of these conditions. Um, and yes, we'd very much like to see it elevated in terms of health priority and then resources could be better directed uh, towards uh, diagnosing and managing the problem. As for people already diagnosed with sleep apnea, their message to others is simple. Get treatment and you can change your life. You know, all I can say to people is if you think you've got a problem, go and get it looked at because there's nothing, nothing better than finding out and then all of a sudden having a good night's sleep. And I don't snore now and I reckon that's good.